With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Source Fantasy Football, and also as well Game Source. We really appreciate you listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five star review on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate it. Plus, also, if you can like, support, share, Whatever you can do to help support us out at the Lakers Fast Break, subscribe, whatever you can do, we truly appreciate it. <sighs> Hold on, that was me taking a sigh of relief, everyone. Let me do it again. <sighs> <sighs> the Lakers come out with a big victory tonight, looking so good in game two. This is probably the best win overall of the year for the Los Angeles Lakers with a dominant performance tonight over the Portland Trailblazers in game two. Two of my guests are happy today. One isn't so happy today. But we're going to go ahead and not only round up the, the action tonight for the Lakers and Blazers, but we're also going to be touching upon all the day's action in day four of the NBA playoffs. Plus, on top of that, the NBA, not to go ahead and throw anything else at you, they threw out the NBA lottery too. So we'll talk about that at the very back end. And yes, we might have some fun the next way as well. So we'll go ahead and maybe, uh, you know, spread some love and spread some not so love on who won out in the lottery, who who did well and who didn't do so well later on in the program. But I wanted to introduce my guests right now. First off is my good friend. I know him as the man behind NBA Draft Junkies. You got to go ahead and check out all the great things that he's doing today at NBADraftJunkies.com. NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. And I'm going to be showing that to you later on on Facebook Live. If you don't get a chance yet, you've got to hit up NBA Draft Junkies. Now that we know the draft order, you got to go ahead and hit it up today, NBA Draft Junkies, plus his two podcasts, which you need to give five stars as well to, NBA Draft Junkies and the Run the Floor podcast. Hint, hint, I'm on one of them. But I want to go ahead. It's the man himself. He's so fast with his bicycle that he actually runs his feet out of his own shoes it is rafael barlow what's up man yeah, I had a, uh, i've had better days better <laughs> nights uh yeah i had a zion experience with my uh my shoes i i blew right through them never had that happen before but other than that uh i mean the draft is the, the lottery's a, a big day for me but my blazers uh they uh they they didn't allow me to have a, a good whole day so I'll wait till Saturday to, to be happy again. 
That's okay, my friend. I understand. And, and you know what? Be happy on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Can I'm you... outnumbered. I'm outnumbered. You're here. outnumbered here today, but you know what? Um, I'm going to try and be in good spirits and be a good sport. Uh, and yes, I'm not going to try and, and yuck it up on you because you were so gracious to me the other day when the Lakers lost. Maybe it's like you said that what what that's that like, content creators eight hundred five said that Damian Lillard like focus that you have. Uh, and all the wisdom that you share on the show. But I truly appreciate you joining us, as always. We've got Sean Grice, a.k.a. Magic Man, from Lakerholics.com. And, Sean, thanks for coming on board. Great to have you on and looking forward to hearing some more great conversation. Just want to let you know as well, we're going to be also recapping the day in total for the NBA playoffs and the NBA lottery as well. But great win for the Lakers, right? Fantastic, Gerald. It was a great bounce-back win. Um, you know, over 20 points. Uh, if you had told me that Alex Russo would have more rebounds than LeBron and Anthony Davis would have free throw attempts, I would have said, oh my goodness, here we go again. Well, uh, it, it was a great performance indeed, and we'll go into specifics on that here in a sec. But last but certainly not least, I want to go ahead and introduce him today. He is not going to have a stroke on camera today. I'm so happy for that. Uh, I'm so happy that he's going to be in such a good mood throughout, at least for the next couple of days. He is the man behind Lakerholics.com. You got to go ahead and be part of the conversation as I'm showing everybody on Facebook Live today, including recaps that are on there. Rafael Barlow's great Draft Junkies videos that he does specifically for the Lakers. Lakers Fast Break is also on there with all the episodes Sean Grice is there, Jamie Sweet is there, both with their great articles, and of course Tom with his opinions as well that are posted right there. Plus, you can share your opinion there today and also check out the great things that are going on with First Entertainment and their awesome debit card, the Lakers debit card. You can find out more information there or at firstent.org slash Lakers. It is a good man indeed. I know him as Tom Wong, but you know him as a very happy Laker Tom. And Laker Tom, good win by the Lakers. Again, I stated before in the beginning that I think it's their best win of the season. I still am holding to that. I would imagine you would tell me the same thing as well. Not only is it the best win of the season, but you know, this is the first time in six years that I didn't even know that the draft was happening. The draft lottery was happening today. <laughs> and for Laker fans, you know, after six years of, of, uh, you know, shadowing, uh, shadowing uh, Raphael's website and, and analyzing all of the various options that the Lakers would have because we were in the lottery. Uh, when I heard about the lottery happening, it was a total surprise because I was focused on the playoffs. So that's uh, such a pleasure to have a, a different approach to the entire uh, situation. So uh, I would agree with you. It was the biggest win of the year. Um, Maybe not as satisfying as beating the Clippers, but uh, uh, considering the stakes that were out there and the Lakers need to to play, to come back and play a game at the same level as they did when they were at their top of their game in March, um, this was terrific. This was a terrific. Is somebody's clock going off? Is it? Is it? Yes, that would be me. Uh, the bell, <laughs> uh, the, for whom the bell tolls. I also want to go ahead and welcome back Content Creators 805. Uh, you were such a great part of our last broadcast with both Raphael and myself. 
We are also going to, again, recap day four in the NBA, plus the lottery here in a bit. But, Raphael, I want to go ahead and first ask you uh, in regards to the Lakers and the Blazers. For me, the one thing that stood out was effort. For you guys, at yeah. Blazer fans, I think the one thing that stood out for me was fatigue. I want to hear your thoughts on that, if that might have been the case, and all those games that they've had in the recent past – the fact that they've been playing for so long at such a high level might have caught up with them tonight. I, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I think the Lakers just came out and they were better tonight. Uh, they got effort out of JaVale. JaVale, to me, played like he knew that if he didn't have a big game, he could possibly be out the rotation. So I thought that he kind of set the tone early. AD's motor is just unbelievable. I mean, he... He definitely looked a lot fresher than our guys did, and he he bounced back from, you know, from an eight for twenty four game, and you know I was kind of critical of LeBron for not being aggressive and just kind of, you know, being the facilitator. He came out and he he played the same way today. The results were different. The Lakers hit more open shots. Um, I, I wouldn't say they like shot lights out but they made enough shots to kind of loosen the defense up. Yeah, 35% AD, from three, I think was the final yeah, which is Which is about average, you know, around the league average in a sense, um, which is more than double what they shot the last game. So I think that that made a big difference. And then the the scary part is that, at least for a Blazers fan, the Lakers were able to get some of their guys that have been struggling going. Like J.R. Smith had been absolutely awful oh, oh, oh well actually i want to go ahead and say on jr smith and you know at content creators 805 i know you and i had talked about that when he put that out there that jr smith and i certainly thought we were going to see more of Dion waiters first but i got to go ahead and give him props content creators 805 you called it jr smith came out of the bubble and played a nice role for the lakers today didn't he Raphael? yeah i mean once when the game was still somewhat reachable i thought he looked like bubble jr but once the game was totally out of hand his confidence rose and, and he played well and i think uh, i i made a joke on, on my facebook group i felt like at one point jr and Melo looked like two old guys that haven't played for a while that tried to go to the wreck and play with the young guys because they they just looked bad out there but jr was able to get it going and as a blazers fan Melo has to wake up and join the series we were fortunate to win a game with him not really playing well game one even though he did hit a big shot but today i'm just disappointed because he in my opinion it seemed like he thought he was new york knicks carmelo and he wanted to come out and and match braun shot for shot I think as long as he's outside the three-point line, it helps the Blazers out. But when he's trying to play in the post or ISO mid-post, I don't think he helps the team. And that's how he looked. I mean, I think one of the worst things that happened was he had that drive on LeBron earlier in the game, one of the first possessions, and he went back to New York Knicks mellow. And that's not what we need from him. Like you said, content creators 805 when it concerns J.R. Smith, uh, that's one that may have to be iced down pretty heavy and he might feel it tomorrow, but we'll wait and see. Uh, there's also one last thing, Raphael, before I hit Laker Tom up next. 
and that is the finger for Damian Lillard uh, getting that pop back into place because it was dislocated. And as someone who has had very funky looking fingers from time to time because of being out there on the court and, and getting it banged up, that's something that even though it gets put back in place can still hurt for a little while. I believe it was his left hand, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not a shooting hand. I don't think it will affect him as a shooter, but more so as a ball handler. Okay. I agree. Which they're going to have to probably bring Ant Simons into the rotation and then maybe have Dame do less of the ball handling. Could be a lot a of swapping down on the Laker defense on well, Saturday's game. Hey, What's that? Oh, oh. A lot of swiping down on the Lakers defense on Saturday. Well, and and, and yeah. it'll be interesting to see how Vogel adjusts that with his double teams because they were so effective tonight. Absolutely. They were they were very effective on that. Uh, Tom, two quick things. First off, how about the man that you wanted out of the rotation right away, JaVale McGee? And second of all, if you if I would have told you that LeBron would only have 10, 7, and 7, and the Lakers would win by 111 to 88, would you think I've been smoking something? Nope, because I know you don't smoke. That's but true. Uh, aside from that, <laughs> No, actually, I wasn't surprised by LeBron doing that because I think that his modus operandi since the start of the season has been to make Anthony Davis comfortable and get other players involved. Um, I thought there were three things that the Lakers did that were a big difference. Um, One of them was uh, to start with was the starters got off to good starts both halves. Um, And that was really critical because for nine games in a row, We've been giving up double-digit leads uh, in the first quarter. Um, And so there were three guys, basically, that I would have replaced out of the starting lineup. JaVale McGee would have been one of them, simply because I believe the Lakers are a better team when they play small ball and they have shooters surrounding LeBron. Um, But I'll give JaVale credit. He came out with a great effort, uh, made a couple of good offensive plays, um, and was his effort really set the tone right from the very beginning. I think Raphael mentioned that, and I agree with that 100%. Um, the other guy that I would have probably benched at that point in time was Danny uh, was uh, KCP, and uh, KCP was the he was the third man of this game. Vogel uh, likes to say that we have an alternate third man, and it's a different guy every game. And KCP came up, hit four from six from deep, played excellent defense the entire game. Um, he's the one guy we have with Bradley out who can actually fight his way across the screen, you know, and not get picked off. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't a three for three. As Meatloaf says, two out of three is not bad. But Danny Green was horrible again. Um, he gave him four, they gave him four steals, and I never saw any of the four steals. So I was surprised at that. I uh, shot one for six again, one for four from deep. Um, he's with us. He, he's, a, he's, he's with the Blazers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at any rate, so in addition to the starters and and uh, coming off good, uh, the defense was outstanding, especially the defense on on Dame and uh, CJ. Um, they held them down to uh, poor shooting. Basically, it's kind of interesting. Tim from Cranjus Basketball had put out a series, uh, had put a tweet in with two sets of nine plays showing how the Lakers really, when they really hedged hard and trapped on on those high pick and rolls, they were able to come out with a good response. 
a good defensive result. And then on the other hand, whenever they slipped into drop coverage, either intentionally or unintentionally, because somebody wasn't active enough, um, they were getting beat by those long threes. Uh, there were very few open threes shot by the Blazers. And the defense, the defense on the guards on the perimeter was sensational. Um, and, I, and I thought that was a big part of it. That was a second major factor other than the starters playing well. Um, and then lastly, uh, uh, AD, you know, AD just came out with a totally different game. Um, and you hope this is not a seesaw that he's going to be on that, that basically understands. Um, I, I, I always had the opinion that the Lakers best opportunity was really to play the Blazers because I thought the Blazers would bring out the fire in them. And this was the first game we've seen in the bubble where the Lakers really looked like the Lakers. Um, and a lot of that was 80. A lot of it was uh, LeBron. A lot of it was guys making their shots. Um, but like the announcer said, it's a lot easier to drop those threes when you're shooting from ahead than when you're shooting from behind. So I agree. <laughs> it, it's a great, you know, it's, it's a great game. Um, I said at the last, at, after the last game that I still have the Lakers in five, and I believe they will take them in five. Well, there you go. But I, I think it's a little bit, a little bit more difficult than that. But Sean, I want to hear your thoughts on the game itself. One thing that stood out to me again was the effort, but also the fact that it created a lot of transition. And I just saw the effort there from the Lakers, and also the directive from Frank Vogel and the coaching staff was to push the ball as much as they could in that first half. And I believe they did, and it worked really well for them early on. Yeah, I agree, Gerald. I, I thought it was a, a much better effort, uh, hustle-wise, 94-50 this game. Um, they collapsed on the guards when they needed to defensively. AD was usually there in the lane already. I mean, his length is just, it's incredible. It's incredible the the amount of space he can eat up in a matter of, you know, two seconds to about 14 to 16 feet. It's incredible. So it's very hard to score in the paint when he is active like that. It is almost impossible to really um, find juice within the lane because he just manages to get you in those dead zone spots where you're trying to make those four to six foot shots and his length is just really hard to overcome. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Once again, I'm speaking to Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies, Laker Tom and Sean Grice, a.k.a. Magic Man from Lakerholics.com. Please be part of the conversation at Lakerholics.com where you also see great work from Rafael there with his awesome videos. You'll find out more about the Lakers debit card at firstent.org slash Lakers and so much more. It is Lakerholics.com. So before we go ahead and finish the conversation here on the Lakers and Blazers, because once again, they won 111 to 88. I want to go ahead and touch on with you, Raphael. You see what Portland, you know, has done as far as on the opposite end. And you've seen also what they've done as far as doing so well overall these past nine games before today. What do you think that Terry Stotts is going to do as far as come up on the drawing board for the Lakers in game three on Saturday? Well, I think they're going to have to bring in another ball handler. Dame is going to play off the ball, which may um, 
kind of impact the Lakers' defense because it seems like the strategy is to pick Dame up full court, wear him out, and then once he gets across to the half court, trap him. So if he's not bringing the ball up court, it may kind of change their philosophy. Like I mentioned earlier, I think Melo and Gary Trent have to knock down open shots. And it's like the opposite of last game. When the Lakers weren't knocking down open shots, Whiteside and Nurkic were very impactful because the driving lanes were, weren't there. And if Melo is anywhere inside the paint, with a guy like AD being able to cover so much ground, to me, it just kills the Blazers' offense. Melo has to stay behind the three-point line. He has to knock down open shots. And if AD's natural instincts are to protect the rim, and if we if our guards can get in the paint because of floor spacing, AD is going to come over and look to block the shot, and then that's when we can loosen up the Lakers' defense. I felt overall early in the game, defensively, the I felt like Portland was okay. It just was the second effort and multiple effort plays of JaVale and AD that kind of broke our defense down because at the beginning of the game, the Lakers weren't knocking down shots. And once a couple start to fall, that's when, you know, it's kind of like a domino effect there. Um, I am kind of glad that uh, the Blazers kind of knew the game was out of hand and they gave their guys a rest. I didn't see anybody play in the fourth. In my mind, I was thinking, as long as they can cut it to 10 in the fourth quarter, going into the fourth, then maybe we have a chance. But if it's anywhere between 15 to 20 to start the quarter, pull a Greg Popovich. You know, Popovich was quick to pull his guys out, say, hey, this is not our night. We'll save it for next. But I was also wondering, why was LeBron in in the start of the fourth quarter? Uh, that's what I said, and I shouted out loud. I said, I couldn't believe that he's there and the Lakers are up 20-plus. It seemed to me... It was 30. It, yeah, it was, it was like 30. Yeah. After Dame got hurt, I'm thinking, like, that's your sign to say, you know what, anything can happen here. LeBron's already on the injury report with a, a groin issue, and I just, for the life well, of me, I don't understand why he was even in two minutes left in the third. I think he was just excited to be winning the game. I mean, did you hear him yelling and screaming when he was on the court? Uh, he was like a cheering, an entire cheering course just by himself. But content got to protect him from himself, though. <laughs> but, but content creators eight hundred five has said it best because he was worried about the possible injuries that uh, Anthony Davis might be feeling with rolling over his ankle. I saw J.R. Smith do the same. Uh, and then, you, you know, he was holding his back as far as Anthony Davis and then also his ankle. So you're, you're always worried about what could happen with these players if you keep them out there too long in, in blowouts like this. So seeing LeBron out there in the fourth quarter left me very concerned. I was just like, you know, if Portland's already waving the white flag, then the Lakers should have already gone and, and get done the same. But Sean, and I'll hit you up next, Laker Tom. Uh, you know, if there's any adjustments to be made by the Lakers, and it's hard to find some in a 30-point victory, but you know Portland's going to go ahead and it's now their turn for the check. I want to go ahead and hear what your your thoughts are on what the Lakers need to do to keep that momentum going in Game 3 on Saturday. Yeah, I, I was just hoping, Gerald, that AD goes back to his mindset for Game 2. It seemed like he was really um, anticipating drives and he was able to recover on uh, on a lot of Dame's, you know, dribble drives or he tried to penetrate. 
uh, AD kind of met him halfway or was able to, to get him to bail out and pass to uh, somebody out on the perimeter. I just hope he goes back to that mindset because when he's focused on the defensive end, it just translates to that 94-50 game that the Lakers have. I mean, you know, the Lakers aren't really known as this fast break transition showtime team, but when the defense translates to the offense in that full court, they can make things happen and really frustrate a team. You know, those those eight-point leads that can stretch to 11 or 13 when you're making an open shot really make a difference, especially in a playoff game. I agree with you, content creators at 05. And then Raphael said, it. you know, it was the left hand for Damian Lillard. And I think he'll be fine going forward. I don't think that will stop him at all. Uh, Laker Tom, before we head on to the rest of the NBA playoff slate, I want to ask you this. Uh, like I said, to me, transition and energy was a key, but also the fact that they were able to create more flow in the offense. Yes, they didn't still shoot the way I would like them to see them shoot. It was substantially better, but there's still a lot more to go. But I saw lobs. I saw the fact that they created enough space in the offense to create those lob situations that they were putting on time and time again, like I saw earlier this season for many, many, many times in many games during the course of the year. So I want to hear your thoughts on how they can continue to just basically free up the offense to go ahead and continue to provide those easy points that the Lakers go ahead and really, you know, just, just feed off of for the momentum. I think there's a couple of things that are going to happen as a result of this game. Um, I was actually kind of surprised that the, that the Blazers didn't play Anthony Simons earlier. Um, he's actually has the best net rating of all of the players on the Blazers for the three games that we played them this year. Um, he's played very, very well. So I was really shocked that he didn't, they, I guess they figured they didn't need him in the first game. Um, but uh, I think that he'll come out. I think, I think Raphael's right that there's going to be some adjustments and he's the ball handler that they'll probably give an opportunity to. He shot very well tonight. He's a guy, a young kid who's got a lot of confidence um, on the Lakers side. I think that I still feel the same as I felt about Frank Vogel's offense. Um, there's just not enough movement off of the ball. Um, you just can't have your ball handlers standing still and all of the other players standing still. And that's basically the way that the Lakers offense runs because it's either an isolation for AD or an isolation for LeBron. That's a stagnancy that's not going to hurt us against the Blazers. Um, we almost beat the Blazers, allowing them to outscore us by 44 points in the guards and 24 points on threes. And we were in that game uh, Tuesday night and could have won it. I think that just says about the disparity between the two teams. And that's no disrespect to the Blazers, but they just don't have the superstars that the Lakers do. But I think the wild card for the Lakers at this point in time is probably Rajon Rondo. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes, uh, assuming that he is. You see that eyebrow being raised over here? Assuming that he's healthy. I know know what you feel about him. But if you look at the stats for the three games that he played this year against Portland, or if you go back to 2018 when he played against essentially the same lineup that he's going to play against on Saturday, he dominated. He was a great point guard. He played 35 minutes in that series. Uh, he led them to a sweep, an underdog sweep of the Portland Trail Blazers. 
And I think that uh, I think that Vogel is going to get him a lot of minutes in that game, assuming that he's healthy and ready to go, that he's got his wind and so forth. I think he's going to be the wild card. My Bring him on. Head, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to. This is me shaking my head. No, no, please, for the love. Of... <laughs> you see that? Shake your head all you want, but Frank Vogel, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis all love the guy. Yeah, there is, that, there is that there is that novelty. There is that thing that happens that sometimes guys come into the playoffs and they really do play at a different level. And Rajan is a guy who's done that in the past. I mean, ask ask Raphael about the 2018 series. You know? Yeah, but that was 2018. 2018. We've had yeah. we've had two bad years of Rajan Rondo since. So you're gonna have five months off. Uh, a lot yeah. of guys, you know. The bubble hits different guys different ways. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I will give you the fact that he was leading the league for the two weeks after he came back from an injury in three-point range, and then it went downhill, like uh, going off the Matterhorn. So I don't know. I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm very doubtful. Because hey, Smith is garbage time. Rondo is going to play in real time. Uh, analytically, <laughs> I see the numbers, and the numbers tell me Rondo is no longer playoff Rondo. But we'll see what Rondo can bring. Content Creators 805 said, we actually went 10 deep tonight because, besides garbage time, but played 10 players in actual real playoff basketball, which means we are deep when most teams only play eight. I have a feeling, though, when it gets down to the nitty-gritty and you really need to go ahead and have a, a slim-down rotation, Content Creators 805, I think it goes down to an eight-man rotation. I really do. I think it, sometimes when you lengthen it out as far as to nine, ten-man rotations in the playoffs it kind of gets away from what you need to be doing and that's have lebron and ad on the floor as much as possible so we'll wait and see i would like to have 10 obviously for win purposes but i think in the playoffs they do get shortened dependent on the the situation and i'm still thinking that down on every series well yeah we'll see nine then the eight and then the seven Okay, well, we'll see. Like I said, I think a seven and a half or an eight man rotation at some point in time will be utilized going forward, especially if the Lakers get higher up into the Western Conference Finals or the NBA Finals, but we'll see. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Once again, it is Raphael Barlow, Laker Tom, and Sean Grice. Want to go ahead and thank you so much for joining us. This is the Lakers Fast Break. It was a 111-88 victory for the Los Angeles Lakers tonight. But there was other action in the NBA today. I want to go ahead and run it down real quickly for you. We're going to start off with 
the matchup between Miami and Indiana, because that, that series is going under the radar for a lot of teams. And Raphael, I'm going to tell you right now, is Duncan Robinson the best three-point shooter out there? Because if he isn't, he's very close to it. Well, speaking of that, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, I think it was the Miami Heat, and they posted a picture that said, uh, if you want to make people mad, post this picture. I don't know if you guys saw the picture, but it was Duncan Robinson and <laughs> Lakers. <laughs> and of I course, guess he... <laughs> of course, of course it was. <laughs> Imagine having him on, on the roster today. That would definitely give the Lakers a, a high-powered offense. But credit yeah, Pat, was... credit Pat Riley for finding these guys. You know, from oh my gosh. Kendrick yeah, Nunn. We've got they had a three. Nunn. They had a three elite shooters. Yeah, a tire yeah. Tyler Hero. Yeah. So I want to hear your thoughts on the game today. I mean, it's just going to be too much shooting. But also, what has happened to T.J. Warren not being as dominant as he was earlier on in the bubble? Well, they say he has plantar fasciitis, and you know, just throughout the years. Every time I've heard a player have that injury, they seem to be really, really limited. And my brother had it, and he always talks about how painful it was. That I remember we would play basketball, and I would, you know, kind of tease him. It's like, man, you look like you're playing the Timberlands. And he said, man, you don't understand how bad this this pain is. And then I end up having it from time to time. So it's like you can't move. And oh, it, it, yeah, it's painful. I mean, yeah. Uh, and it changes the way you play too. Um, changes the it, way you it walk. It really affected <laughs> yeah. uh, Joakim Noah and uh, Ron Artest Meta World Peace. I mean, it just changed the way they played defensively. Yeah, yep. absolutely. But also, Laker Tom, I wanted to ask you real quick on Jimmy Butler, who is providing just enough as far as leadership and all around stats. Uh, going forward, do you see Miami as a little bit more of a contender in the East? Um, I think yes. they're tough, you know, I mean, they got a great coach, a great general manager and Philadelphia really made a mistake letting Jimmy go. Um, I don't think they yeah, have made a mistake letting him go. Uh, I don't think he was going back anyway. He just seems like if you're not a hard worker like him, he's not mm-hmm. going to respect you. And I don't think he respected him. Well, you know, it, it, it says something about the 76ers management that, uh, that they would, uh, Take players who, I mean, and you could say the same thing about the Minneapolis, uh, the Minneapolis team, that, that they would. The Minnesota would Timberwolves. Guys who they thought were more talented than guys who would put out 100% effort and play at both ends of the court and care about winning, you know. Well, uh, as, soon, as soon as Philadelphia gave Tobias Harris all that money, the writing was yeah. on the wall. Al Horford, too. Yeah. $300 million. Three hundred million. Yes, we covered that on yesterday's show, and we think right now Philadelphia it's going up in flames, uh, and it's it's really going to be a a just really a bin fire there because well they're going to fire the wrong person, you know that's the problem. Yeah, I agree. The coach is going to fire the coach. They should have fired the GM. (laughs) (sighs) I I think they they fired the wrong guy to begin with, and now he's laughing at. Oh, Hinky. Yeah. 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 It's part of the process, man. Don't worry about it. Well, the NBA put too much pressure on Philadelphia, so they had to make a move to Colangelo. 
and Colangelo, Colangelo with his burner accounts and all that, that which was providing me a lot of hilarity for a while. But that seemed well, to go well, south from te- there. Technically speaking, didn't his wife have the burner account? Uh, technically, allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Well, she got the info from Pillow Talk, so he's just as guilty. <laughs> yes. But be that as it may, uh, right now, Jimmy Butler is looking good with the Miami Heat. Uh, it looks like they're going to be moving on because Indiana is not putting up as much of a fight as I was thinking that they were going to. Uh, but they did win today, 109-100 over the Indiana Pacers. Again, strong performers from Duncan Robinson. They're really good with their youth that can hit from the outside. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. You also have Bam Adebayo, who really didn't do anything today. And he is one of your, supposed to be one of your stars going forward. So definitely some good things going forward there. Also want to go cap space for a superstar too. They're the only winning team with cap space. Yes, yes. So that's a, definitely a good start there for you. And going forward, you also have, like I said right here, you've got Houston and Oklahoma City, one eleven and ninety eight for Houston Rockets. I am seriously bummed that Oklahoma City is not putting up a bigger fight. What are your observations when you see that series without Russell Westbrook there, Raphael? It should have been a lot closer than it already is, but it looks like Houston's taken a commanding two to nothing lead. Well, I think Houston is just a problem for any team. Yeah, because you have to You have to match them. Yeah. You have to match them and you you prepare for it. And I think with Oklahoma City, I I mean nobody expected them to be as good as they were this year. But playoff basketball is totally different. I've always been critical of Chris Paul in the playoffs because I feel like the difference between him, I don't know if it was your podcast or another one that I mentioned, but I feel like the difference between Chris Paul and Isaiah Thomas is You did mention this one. If Isaiah <laughs> needed his if Isaiah needed to score a fifty for his team to win, he would do it. He was an assassin. He was a I mean lack of a better term, a killer. And Chris Paul is going to still try to be the same way all the time. He's going to defer, even though I feel like when he is aggressive and he looks for his shot, he's, I mean, he's hard to stop. I mean, he can get to the elbow, he can knock down shots, but he'll defer. And he went his furthest in the playoffs in his career when he had James Harden, when he had a clear-cut number one option, I feel like those Clipper teams weren't successful because they didn't have a clear-cut closer. And this Thunder team, they had like three or four guys averaging over 15 points a game, but they don't have a clear-cut closer. They have a team full of guys. I mean, I think Gilgis Alexander will eventually be a number one. Whether he's number one on a championship-level team or not, I don't know. But they have a bunch of guys on the team that are good number two options maybe number three and in the playoffs it hurts and i think oklahoma city needs chris paul to average about 30 points a game and they're not going to get it because that's just not the player who he is even though you could see the talent there and his obviously his outside shot uh he's just so good with that stroke it's almost like what, advantages when yeah. they switch like he can't switch on a big and lure him to sleep and shoot the pull-up jumper everybody that he gets a switch on can move their feet, and I think that part is tough for him. It was just like he's those situations. Older, he's getting older, and he never, he's never been a good playoff player. That's also part of the problem. Same mm-hmm. as Harden. 
I don't know whether it's wearing them down in the season because of the style of play that they do or the intensity with which they complain about every single play, you know. Uh, when they get into playoffs, that that type of not being able to control your emotions sometimes works against you. Absolutely. Yeah, I think today's loss for them, for the Thunder, is demoralizing because you already had Westbrook out and you caught Harden on an off-shooting night and you still you still lose. I think then he used to go on like a 17-0 run with Harden on the bench. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. Game over. Game over. <laughs> Pull out the brooms. And it's, it's and in the moment, you're not going home to <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Let's I mean, you know, the, the virtual fans may yeah, make a little starting to plan your vacation. Yeah, I, I think uh there I think the series is over. And it's also giving Westbrook time to to heal and and, and get right. So Yeah. Now, Sean, yeah. I want to go ahead and ask you first on the last game on our slate of four NBA games today, and that is Milwaukee and Orlando. With Milwaukee uh, having control all the way, I think Orlando maybe cut it down to nine in the fourth quarter. But again, too much Milwaukee, too much Giannis. Matt, Pat Conahan, uh, Pat Connaughton with a really, really solid game. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts. Was the win by the Magic one like, Oh, that's so cute. Orlando won one. Okay, thank you for playing. Thank you for playing. It's now over. So Milwaukee, that just woke Milwaukee up. And Milwaukee's now just going to go ahead and charge through. Do you see that happening now? Because Vucevic, as outstanding as he played in both games, this time got no help. Yeah, Gerald, I th- I think this is this is pretty much all she wrote for them. Um if if it's any consolation, uh, the Magic did win Game One last year in the first round against the Raps, and yeah. the Raps just yep. went on to win the NBA Finals. So, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a good omen for Milwaukee or a bad omen. Knowing their history, it's probably a bad omen because they just seem to choke when it really counts. Um. And they can't play from behind. Go, no, no, yeah, they can't. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I, I think they drew a bad bracket with the Heat, and I think the Heat beat them in the second round. And Pat Riley would love, absolutely love, to beat Giannis oh, for and sure. recruit him at the same time. Oh, <laughs> yep. Like, uh, yep. Raphael, that, that's... Uh, you know, they're looking at that. Straight there for, for Bucks fans. Um, <laughs> I was kind of thinking the same thing. Um, and of all people, for Riles to do this again would be, I mean, just some, just put the, does he have a statue yet? I don't think so. But just, just put that in bronze right now. <laughs> he gets the audits. Well, I'd love to see that continue for, you know, what we're seeing now, because it's just, it was kind of cute that Orlando won the first game. It was kind of cute last year when Orlando won, won the first game. But, again, I see Milwaukee just ripping off four straight at this point in time. Uh, they did get the dominant win today. Like I said, they the Magic really got no closer than nine. 111-96 uh, to 96 was the final score. So uh, it, that series is tied up 1-1. But, again, it's definitely looked like it's going to be something that like you guys were talking about, maybe a showcase down the line for a Miami-Milwaukee series where Pat Riley can go ahead and maybe send some love out to Giannis and, and go forward from there. 
Um, I want to go ahead and ask you real quick, uh, Content Creators 805 was saying about how Houston in the next round, if the Lakers play like this, I don't see any team matching up with them 100%. But again, you're not going to be able to go ahead and play like this at all levels that each and every time out. But Raphael, real quick, do you see if this goes to the fact that, that it goes to the next round and the Lakers and Houston meets do you see Houston causing much more problem than Portland? Or do you see Portland, because you predicted Portland would win the series, and they still have very much of a great chance to do so. Do you see okay, Portland yeah. or Houston providing the bigger problem for the Lakers? I just feel like all Laker fans, after they won today, have already advanced to the second round. I have not. I have not. It's almost so, like the Milwaukee series. It's like, you know, they won. that exact same thing when Sean was talking about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same thing in a sense. Uh, I, I think Houston is, is just going to be a problem for anyone. I think AD would put up monster numbers versus the Rockets if they played, and they'd have to beat them with second-chance points. But he'd have to defend Westbrook if Westbrook is, is healthy. Um, but he'd have to defend Westbrook on an island. And then Houston is one of those teams that they're never really out of it because they're just going to – Keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. They're not gonna change their style. Um, but I'm hoping that uh, you know that that's not even an option for the Lakers and the Rockets to face off. But I, I do think Houston is is going to be an issue for a lot of teams because they kind of bait you into playing, starting off the game, going into the post. They bait you into feeding your your big guy. I mean, it seems like the Thunder were trying to get Stephen Adams established early in the game, and then it kind of throws their whole rhythm off because yeah. that's not who they are. Uh, that's absolutely yeah. correct. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say I, I agree with Raphael. I mean, uh, Adams and Thunder are really more effective when he's more of a screener. And he's more of that role man, or he's bumping, or he's hitting the boards yeah. on the offensive end. Yeah, like or playing Aquaman, you know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Something like that, indeed. Well, once again, I'm speaking to Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. You got to check out his awesome YouTube page, NBA Draft Junkies, because. It's getting that time. That time is near, and we're going to talk about why here coming up in a second because. You can see a detailed listing of all the videos that he has with so many of the prospects that are out there. I mean, I'm showing everybody right now the videos after videos after videos after videos of all these great prospects, the pluses, the minuses, and great conversations and podcasts as well. It is NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, and also as well, check out his Run the Floor podcast as well. Guys, there was a little thing called the NBA Lottery. What? Go ahead, Laker Tom. Yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to add one more subject to just talk about briefly. Okay. Um, primarily because uh, Raphael and I have exchanged a bunch of uh, Twitter messages on the same subject. Um, the series that I find really intriguing is the Clippers series. Um, and uh, Raphael and I went through this big, long discussion on Twitter about what's the ceiling for Luka Doncic. There isn't one. Yeah, and Raphael's been following him a long time and watching him, and, and I was sort of wondering, where, where the hell do you go when you're 39-9 as a 21-year-old kid? Um, and we may be seeing some inkling of where he's going to go in this particular series because he's been, he's been terrific, and the Mavericks' offense has been 
as advertised, the best offense in the league statistically, you know, and they've, they've really played well. Um, well what, what's really changed, what I feel has really changed for them is that Carlisle has now deferred to Luca. It's Luca's offense. Luca, Luca runs the ship, and I know it. That took a lot of uh, effort for Carlisle to give that up because he has but, a bad reputation with point guards. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But I mean, just said he he completely defers to him because he proved to him on film that he is a virtuoso out there. And to me, the big question going forward in that series, to me, is more of a, a Rick Carlisle versus Doc Rivers matchup. And in that scenario, I'll take Rick. I just think he's the better tactician. I think he puts guys in a position where they feel confident. My God, won a NBA championship with J.J. Barea. JJ's still pretty good, though. I, he, yeah, you know, no, no. It's, yeah, no, no disrespect. Yeah. He put JJ in the starting lineup against yeah, him. against him. It's, but, <laughs> I've uh, seen JJ embarrass a lot of guys, man. Yeah, no, but Carlisle just manages to put guys in a position to succeed. I mean, look back at Monte Ellis's career. The best year of his career was with Carlisle. And yeah. Then Rondo came and ruined I actually talked to Monte about it, and you know, they had a high-powered offense, and he didn't want Rondo there in the first place because he was actually playing point guard in a sense that season. And they had the little pick and roll. They would run with him and Brandon Wright. And if you helped out, Dirk was open, and then Rondo came. And, and I actually think it cost Monte a lot of money because he was a free agent that year. Of he course, was. yeah. The, I mean, he yeah. Who do you think is going to win that series, uh, Raphael? I mean, I live in Dallas. I would like the Mavericks to win uh, just because, I mean, I've been living on this Doncic Hill for a long time. I've, I've had thousands of arguments Luka about the school I call it. <laughs> yeah. It's similar to what, like, you know, the debate that we had, because I remember coming into the draft, everyone's saying like, oh, he's this, he's that, he's close to his potential. And I felt like, I kind of felt like it was a little bit racist in a sense, because I feel like if you're white, people yeah. assume that you're closer to your max. And if you're, you're you're black and you're really athletic, then they just see you as, oh, there's so much more he can add. And so I feel like Dodgers is just, I mean, he's a real life prodigy. I mean, you have to think he's been playing professional since he was like 14. Yeah. And then even when he was 16, like I'm sure you've seen the picture when they came over, when Real Madrid came over and they played the Thunder in a preseason game. He was 16 years old. Like a little kid on the floor. He, he looked yeah. like and so I've seen the progression. And like I, like I told you, like a time, I, I was in Turkey 16, 17 season. He was like a role player on the team. He was young. Teams kind of picked on him because in Europe, you know, like if you're a teenager and you're young and you're playing, it's because you beat out guys ahead of you. There's no reward for losing. It's not like the NBA where a bad team would throw out the young guy to get them some experience because the guy gets experience and the team loses at the same time, which helps them get a draft pick. In Europe, if you're a teenager and you're playing, it's because you're better than the guys ahead of you. And teams would pick on him. And there was one game in the playoffs where a team actually made him cry. 
He was mm-hmm. crying on the bench because they literally just picked on him. Yeah. And then uh, they ended up winning that series, and he played in the Final Four, which is like in a crazy atmosphere, and he did okay. And then the next year, and actually that's the, the following, I guess it was Eurobasket a few months later, he turned into like the player that you see today. And they actually beat Latvia in a game where he had Porzingis. He kept calling the play where he got isolated against Porzingis and he was just going by him. They end up winning Eurobasket. Then Sergio Ewell gets hurt. He wins MVP, Final Four, all of that. And so I just knew like he was special. And even then, I didn't think that he would dominate the way he's dominating the NBA. But he seems to get better and better. And I think this Clippers series, the way he is getting to the lane and just, I mean, just scoring with ease against this team that is supposed to have all these great defenders, it's kind of scary for the NBA. And with Beverly out, that doesn't help the Clippers' chances at all. Well, I think the Mavs would like if Beverly was out there because he was punishing Beverly the first game. I mean, he's just too big. He does he, a good job of hunting and, out the weak defender, too. And he's not afraid to drive on the, the elite defenders. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not afraid. I mean, they still give him a little bit of trouble because they can switch off guys that are fresh and he has such a heavy role. But if I'm the Clippers, I'm worried about their dribble penetration because you can't keep him the basket. Yeah, if if that if that Morant, except he's two hundred and thirty pounds, you know, six eight, six nine. Yeah. I mean that. Yeah, how to get contact and draw fouls? He's definitely yeah. the real deal. But I'll say this: if the Clippers want to go ahead and make their lives easier, they got to make them work on defense. Because if they yeah. don't, and he gets a break or he gets a breather on defense, he is so pro- he is so prolific offensively that he is going to make everything miserable for the Clippers and give them a viable chance to take this series. If they well, don't... And, and he'll, put, he'll, put, he'll put Lou Williams on the bench in the fourth quarter. Well, yeah, yeah and, and that's, that's a big deal because um, in the, in, you know, Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell, if that pick and roll isn't working for the Clippers' offense, they get stagnant. And... Like Tom said, with uh, the Lakers, they can become over-reliant on isolations with Kawhi and Paul George. And uh, that can really stagnate their offense because guys just end up standing and watching Kawhi and Paul George. And I think for the Mavs, you want Beverly out there because Luka isn't bothered by him. And then if Beverly's out there on offense, Luka doesn't have to guard anybody. Beverly just kind of stands in the corner. He gets his rest because it's clear the Clippers' game plan is to make Doncic feel them. I mean, they're they're kind of beating him up a little bit, but he doesn't back down. And he's had trouble defending Marcus Morris. Is it Markeith? I get Markeith. Oh, no, Marcus. Marcus, you're right. Markeith's Markeith's on Lakers, yes. Marcus Morris. The Clippers have the good one. So, I don't know. I've always felt the other way around. Me well, actually, I, I did before before uh, Markeith had the issue with his his neck or whatever in Oklahoma City. But yeah, I thought Markeith was always better. But it's the size the of position that he can play the small five, whereas a brother can't. Yeah, that's what the Lakers need. They need they need well, that. Well, you know, both both brothers bring that sandpaper that you need in the playoffs. Like, yeah, yep. you need that toughness. So uh, either one. Is okay with me, and uh, I was hoping to. Well, get, Mark Keith uh, is a lot deeper than Mark. Other. 
Yeah. <laughs> the difference is about $20 million a year there. And they, they put it all in one bank account. Yes, yes, that they do, <laughs> which is, to me, kind of scary, but okay. You do hey. <laughs> well, you know, twins, hey, what can you say? We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, I'm with Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies, Laker Tom, and Sean Grice, a.k.a. Magic Man from Lakerholics.com. There you go. Now, I know you're just getting Contact Creators 805, but I truly appreciate everything that you provide for us here on the on the show. And then also just joining us as well, uh, one of the blog editors himself, Jamie Sweet as well. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Before we head to the lottery, and I don't know what everybody else out there wants to say in regards to the Knicks woes, but before we head to the Knicks woes and the lottery, and also Cleveland Cavaliers, I want to ask you this. Your quick thoughts, because you just finished watching the game on delay, the thoughts on the Lakers and the Blazers, and what happened today, because it was a great victory for the Lakers. You know, it was the exact kind of showing in the bubble that they just hadn't. It was a complete effort from beginning to end. And they hadn't put a game like this together since the reboot. And it was very refreshing to see uh, on multiple levels, but mainly the defense. The defense just was hyper-aggressive. But but I wouldn't say they were on a string, but their anticipation level was, like, incredibly high. LeBron was super engaged. Davis was super engaged. And even guys who weren't hitting shots in the beginning of the game we're playing hard defense in the beginning of the game, which swung the game our way early. And then we just, you know, they never had a chance really after halftime, and especially once it seemed like they took Dame out for the game. Uh, glad to hear the X-rays are negative on him, and that's uh, good to hear because you don't want to, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. No. No playoffs, no playoff. You know, I like uh, great basketball is great basketball. You want to see the best players. Like, so hope Dame's back out there for uh, game three. Can you see the Lakers continuing this kind of effort going forward? 100%. I mean, this perfect an effort? No. But this level of intensity? Yes. You know, everything kind of broke. Have you changed your uh, prediction? No, I'm still saying seven games, especially if Dame's not not out. (laughs) Which, you know, I know I just said it was great now, but because Dame's there, it's going to go seven. I mean, the the Blazers are really good. They actually match up better with the Lakers with Hassan and Archich. And when Zach Collins back eventually, I don't think the series will be closed out before Zach Collins come back. It's going to give Stotts another option of like another kind of stretch guy to like help open up the, the game for Dame a little bit. And so I, I still think it's probably going to go seven. If they play like they did tonight and everything breaks like it did tonight and the shooting falls like it did tonight, then I could see it maybe not lasting more than six. Uh, but I feel like the Blazers got at least one more win in them, uh, just just because of Lily. Like, Lily yeah, I agree. Other, at least otherworldly shooting. Guys, ridiculous. And you're not going to be able to be, be ahead of the Portland Trail Blazers too many more times by 30 points. I mean, no. this was actually a 
situation and scenario where you see the Lakers performing at a top level and Portland performing at one of their worst levels of the season and it, and it coexisting. Maybe it's obviously a lot is to do with one another, but again, you will not see this performance from both going forward. We're going to see more of an even matchup, I believe, going forward. So we'll wait and see what happens on Saturday. Looking forward to it. Well, there you go. Well, I'm I'm still Lakers in six. I know Raphael is Portland in six. I know Sean. You said what? What? I was with you, Gerald. I think the Lakers is six. And Jamie said Lakers in seven. So you have it right here. Content creators 805 before we head on out, because we're going to talk lottery. Can you tell me? We didn't didn't hear from Raphael. What's your prediction now, Rafi? Blazers in six. See, yeah. See, I told you. I told you. But content creators 805, let me know who you have as far as the Lakers or the Blazers uh, in the series before we head on out. But before we head on out, we got to talk the lottery, which is something that both Raphael and I really, truly enjoy because he is the man behind NBA Draft Junkies, obviously devoted a lot to the NBA Draft. I go ahead and write up mock drafts on popculturecosmos.com. I host shows with Raphael at length on the Lakers Fast Break on the NBA Drafts. And obviously, we're going to be doing another big, huge mock draft coming up with all the NBA Draft experts. So I'm really looking forward to that because they're already asking me already. I'm telling you, slow down until the lottery. Well, the lottery happened today. I want to go ahead and run off all the uh, the main keys and the main numbers, 1 through 14. Starting with number 14, it is Boston because Memphis got the 14th pick. So Boston got the bad luck of the draw on their trade. Unfortunately, they didn't get something really high. I know Laker oh, Tom is happy on that. Yeah, so they've got number 14. Number 13 is the New Orleans Pelicans, so they're going to be getting a new coach in there, so we'll wait and see what happens there with them. 12 is Sacramento, and who knows what's going on in Sacramento because I don't think they do, but they're at number 12. Uh, Number 11. That that franchise is like an everlasting bonfire. Yes, yes, it is. Well, Vladdy's out, so they've gotten a little bit better leadership now there with, with Joe Dumars and whatnot, so... Uh, hopefully they're going to go ahead and have a better direction going forward. Number 11 is San Antonio. Could be another steal coming up for San Antonio. They've been very good with their draft picks. Number 10 is Phoenix. Phoenix, after winning eight in a row in the bubble, the future's looking a lot better for them. So that's a good good place to start right there at number 10. Number 9 is Washington. Hopefully they can find something on the defensive end because they sure need it. And Washington, your New York Knicks fall to number eight and i think rafael and i when we do our mock drafts are going to hear it non-stop on the new york knicks i don't know if a number eight pick is going to be enough for them to go ahead and package to move up but i will tell you what right now that's going to be very interesting interesting to see because they do need to trade up in order to go ahead i think and, and get an impact player for them number seven is detroit number six is atlanta Number five is another team that was adversely affected greatly, and that was the Cleveland Cavaliers. They just are not getting any luck since LeBron left. Number four is Chicago, one of the teams that moved up, and a team in now kind of a changeover type situation because they fired Jim Boylan, so they are now at number four. Number three is Charlotte. I I kind of you know am rooting for this team in a sense that they're a team that has literally no talent on the roster. <laughs> but somehow still is able to go ahead and be somewhat competitive out there. Yet this is a great opportunity to go ahead and for them get a 
Yeah, NBA must hate James Dolan, content creators 805. I'm beginning to think of that. No frozen envelope for them this year. Uh, if number three, Charlotte. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for them, even though with Mitch Kupchak, you never know, he might trade it away for a second rounder. Uh, Golden State at number two. Where you go? The possibilities await, Raphael. I'm wait. I'm interested to see what's going to go forward. Could it be a trade? Could they? Could they keep the pick? We'll wait and see. Because obviously, getting everybody back healthy and having that number two pick right there in your pocket is going to make a lot of people very interested coming up on the off season. And number one is the Minnesota Timberwolves, and you have two players already that are a building block and a foundation. I think you need more stability on defense and obviously some outside shooting on that team. So, Raphael, as the man behind NBA Draft Junkies, I want to hear from you first. Who was the big winner and who was the big loser in this year's NBA Draft Lottery? Uh, obviously, the Knicks were the big loser. They um, fell down to eighth, so they actually dropped. I think they're projected to go seven. If I'm not mistaken, no, I think six or seven, six or fifth or six, I think they dropped like three okay. spots from what I was what I was told. Yeah, so they they are. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, we just all. Well, I, I just say this: last what Mayish, early May, we thought Zion, KD, Kyrie, the Knicks are gonna be back, <laughs> and they. Ended up with Julius Randle there and Bobby go. Portis and 15 power know, forwards. Yeah, a bunch of power forwards. And I actually and, have them selecting a power forward again in the draft just because of I, I, I named a pick. Obi Toppin is with CAA and Leon Rose runs CAA. And I think they're going to try to move Randle and all the other guys. And then yeah, so I, I I wouldn't be shocked to, to, to see them take another to another four because I don't think the point guards that they want will be available at, at number eight. And do you so see Minnesota? Four. Do you see Minnesota being the big winner today? Uh, I think they have the hardest choice. I think they have the hardest decision because there's not a clear cut number one in this draft, in my opinion, and. Um, I don't know if there's a player at number one that complements their two other guys. So if you take a defensive player, number one, unless you take Okongwu and you decide to go with a double big lineup with Okongwu and, and Towns, which I have seen some people suggest that, but I don't think that their biggest issue is, is defense. And I don't think that they'll be able to help themselves on defense with the number one pick, but you don't, you know, it takes guts to trade the number one pick unless you're going to get like a Kevin Love type player here, you know, a team that's, you know, close, but they're not. And you guys out there interested or, you know, just far as were you surprised that Chicago and Charlotte fell to uh, number four and number three, respectively, Tom, Sean, Jamie, any of you guys? Well, I yeah, think I mean, about this draft is that there's an opportunity to miss a Luka Doncic. Uh, and or miss a Jason Tatum. It's exactly the type of draft that is very dangerous because there is no number one. It's for sure. Mm -hmm. And when you have when you have teams like like Minnesota being right up there and picking number one, and uh, uh, it's always a dangerous situation. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, 
it's not a draft you want to be number one on. No, no. the Warriors are scary. Yes. I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, they have two. I think they have Minnesota's 2021 picks also. It might be two. So they have the ability to package the number two this year. Minnesota's not going to be a playoff team next year. The West is too tough. And then a lottery pick for next year. Right. To add a third star. A dis- Fourth, yeah, disgruntled star. I don't know who. I haven't really thought about it at this point yet, but they they could be pretty scary. Sean, you, I, I, you wanted I, to I, interject, I Sean? Situation is going to help him again, yeah. just like it did back with yeah, KD. I, because, I was just going to say, I, I will be interested to see what the Bolts do. I mean, mm-hmm. they have a few interesting players. White turned out to be a pretty good pick. Um, they still have Zach Levine, but he's got such a he's got a very movable contract, and I'm sure somebody's going to be looking to upgrade in the off season. And I could see them trading him, possibly keeping White. I don't see Markinen as you know a top three to four guy on your team. He's more of like you know maybe a six to ten. You know, a 15 to 20 minute guy, he can hit the three. Um, So with regards to Chicago, they just need some sort of direction. They're either retooling or rebuilding or they're, I mean, I think since 2006, the average lifespan of a head coach in Chicago is like two and a half, three years. Yep. (laughs) Somebody typing. Now that's, I think, Jamie Sweet's phone on there, but uh, I, there you go. Um, Raphael, uh, you had some real quick measures, and I'm going to hit Jamie Sweet, and then we're going to go ahead on out. Yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll have my, my lottery up tomorrow morning. I've been working on it all day, trying to prepare, and now I'm just kind of doing the write-up, so I think each team should select the player that I have them taken. Um but yeah, I don't know if you got a chance to see ESPN's mock, and they had uh, they had uh, the Lakers taking Tyler Bay, which was one of the guys that I had did yep. some video stuff for, which I think defensively it helps. But I don't know if they really thought it out all the way through because I just figure if you got LeBron, floor spacing is the most important thing, and he shoots and well, should be some, but he he doesn't size. shoot enough. He doesn't yeah, shoot I enough. Mean, I, yeah, I think he has the potential to shoot, but if I'm Rob Palenka or Rich Paul, whoever you think is the general manager of the Lakers, <laughs> I am looking for someone that can come in and contribute right away and knock down open shots. I'm Ooh, not really into developing. Signed, uh, of all of the draftees, have we heard any news about any signing? What's, what's that? Clutch? Have we heard of any signings with Clutch? Anthony Edwards. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, Anthony Edwards is the main one. Uh, a little high for the Lakers. I, oh yeah, Tyrese Maxey. I know those two for sure. Hmm. Well, there you go, Jamie. Any last thoughts on the lottery before we head on out, my friend? I mean, it's I'm, I kind of look. I, I like to live in the moment. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm a moment liver. It's hard for me to look past the playoffs right now. I think that, like always, like however the playoffs shake out, like if Houston goes far then teams might look at that and be like, well, maybe we don't need the big man as much as we, you know, we don't need, we need like one as opposed to like two or three. 
So I, I think that that kind of dynamic might, you know, that might alter some, not the top five picks or so, maybe not even the top 10, but you know, on down the line, you might be, depending on how teams like Houston and even like Portland, which I don't know, Toronto, which really just has Marcus Allen and agent Sergio Baca as their big guys at this point, like, you know, some of those teams that are starting to really move away from the traditional big man, which I'm, Personally, I'm glad the Lakers have not, but I will not be surprised at some point in the future when they do. Uh, on on uh, that subject, Jamie, Bobby uh, Webb is going to have to make a decision on Chris Boucher. Will, uh, will affect the draft uh, and are yet to be determined. Yeah, you were saying something on Chris Boucher there, Sean, real quick. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Bobby Webster has uh, a big decision on his hands because I think Chris Boucher is playing himself into uh, a definite upgrade in his in his contract and you know he's got to pay van fleet he's got to figure out what he's going to do with uh norm powell's contract the saw annie bacher free agents too yeah Yeah, exactly so a lot of things are going to go on absolutely and and but that's for down the road my friend but for right now it is the nba playoffs rafael and i will be back tomorrow Maybe the RTF Sports Network. Otherwise, if we're not, we're going to be here at the Lakers Fast Break channel. I also want to get on his channel and talk NBA playoffs. We can go ahead and live from there. I've given him the option to do what he wants to do on that. But before we end on out, guys, I just want to go ahead. Quick plug. Raphael, where can they find you on Twitter? Or where can they find you at NBA Draft Junkies? Yeah, NBA Draft Junkies. You can type it in. I'm on YouTube. I'm on, I mean, that's the website, NBADraftJunkies.com. If you type in my name, Rafael Barlow, it'll come up on Twitter. I have a uh, NBA Draft Junkies podcast. And if you're interested in just my regular basketball talk, I have another podcast called Run the Floor. Which I and, was happen to be on. I was very excited for that. So, yes. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. You ask, I'll be there for you. Anytime. Laker Tom, I know you're coming up with a more happier, a happier uh, column coming up here in the next day or so. So before we head on out, you're working on some good stuff for the Lakerholics.com site. Yeah, I, I, I actually just finished a piece and uh, which uh, is uh, primarily focused on the impact of uh, Rajon Rondo coming back to the Lakers playoff plan. Um, but I think I think this is an interesting one of the subjects that I think I'm going to touch on is. Um, how the how I think this is going to be a big topic. The way that the Lakers finish the season is going to have a huge impact on what they do with a couple of their free agents, uh, and also uh, an impact on what they do with the draft pick. Um, I think Raphael's got another uh, 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 Lakers uh, film junkies uh, video coming up on big men uh, that can stretch the floor. Um, Unlike Jamie, I'm a proponent for the Lakers to move into the 20th century and have five guys on the floor who know how to shoot the ball and attack the basket. Uh, and uh, I think that one of the changes that's got to come next year is basically for the Lakers to to modernize the center position. Um, I still think you can focus on defense. Um, another subject that I have that I'm, I'm hoping that we'll at least find a reporter with enough uh, courage to sit down and ask the question of Anthony Davis in his next interview. Do you want to play center? Are you willing to play center? Um, Is the reason you're not playing center because of you, or is it because of the coach? Um, Because the Lakers are a much better team when you do play center. 
All right, Sean, aka Magic Man on LakerHolics.com. As a fellow blog editor, did you have any thoughts on the way out? Uh, yeah, Gerald. I was just, uh, I was thinking, you know, with this bubble experience, we, we've kind of learned two things. One, uh, the Bleacher Report wrote uh, a pretty good article a few years ago about whether or not there was a placebo effect associated with home court advantage. In other words, the home team just felt like they believed they were going to win because they were at home. There were no external factors involved. The The second point they made was that referees tended to be more biased towards the home team mm. during the playoffs. And in the Clippers-Mavs series, um, that's really interesting because KP got thrown out for something Pat Bev does five to six times a game. And I'm seeing really bad inconsistencies even in the bubble with the refereeing. So that's, that's what we talked about yep. yesterday. That's if you have a reputation say. for it, you can get away with it. If you don't, then – and the reference I heard was – NBA probably won't mention his name, but he mentioned Tony Allen. He said he fouls every single play. But because he fouls every single play – He'll never foul out. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was always my philosophy on defense. There you go. Foul everything yeah. that moved. Foul everything that moved. Uh, Jamie, before we head on out, what you working on? I th I'm assuming it's five good things for the Los Angeles Lakers. Cheryl, you got it. <laughs> All right, my friend. Always good. Always going to deep. Please check out Jamie Sweet's article on five good things coming up for the Los Angeles Lakers and obviously at Lakerholics.com. Same thing with Sean Grice, a.k.a. Magic Man. Same thing with Laker Tom. You'll see also a great video from Rafael Barlow there as well. It's Lakerholics.com. And also you will find more information on that awesome Lakers debit card from First Entertainment Credit Union. Please go there to lakerholics.com and find out the information today or you can go to firstent.org slash lakers and you can find out more about the great sweepstakes that you can go ahead and possibly even win a limited edition set that has a debit card could be possibly even some great tickets whenever we get out of this coronavirus and there'll be home games at the staples center once again plus a lakers jersey it's a sweet limited limited edition Lakers debit card set right there for you that could be yours by filling out the sweepstakes. Plus, you'll find out more about the awesome Lakers debit card from First Entertainment Credit Union. Want to go ahead and give them a big shout out on the way out. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. It's been a great pleasure. Content Creators 805, he gets a shout out. Plus, everybody on all those awesome Lakers Facebook groups that have been watching us, the hundreds and hundreds of viewers that have been watching us, I just told it out for the past couple of months and then we're reaching 8,000 views over the past couple of months. So I'm telling you what, it's just been so amazing to be part of it and all those Facebook groups out there for you, whether that's covering basketball, sports podcasts, or the Lakers, cannot thank you enough for taking time to watch us. Rafael and I will be back tomorrow. If you want to, guys, if you want to join us for the NBA playoff coverage, let us know. Glad to have you on. And we're just thankful again. For the Lakers winning 111.88, except for Raphael, who's kind of bummed right now. <laughs> Hopefully he won't put his foot through his other shoe. I'm hoping that won't be the case. But I'll tell you what, it's just so great to everyone talk to everyone here on today's show. 111.88 is the score once again. Game three is on Saturday for Los Angeles Lakers fans. Looking forward to it. And of course, we'll recap it again right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. <laughs>